everyone, and welcome to The Art of Podcasting, episode 21, Video Production, recorded September 2nd, 2012, and brought to you by Element OP Productions, elementop.com. This week, we're going to talk about video, and by the end of it, you will know that you should never, ever do video. Uh, we've talked about it uh, before in a couple of shows where we talked about our various rigs and uh, the way James does things and the way Steve does things and that's that sort of stuff. But this week, we're going to dive headlong into video, how to do it, how not to do it, uh, where to store it, all that good stuff. And to help me do that this week, as always, we have the stalwart co-host, co-host of this show. You see, I come up with another uh, descriptor for you guys every week. Have you noticed that? Last week you were inimitable. This time you're stalwart. Uh, beginning with Mr. Steve Cherubino of HowToPodcast.biz. Hiya, Steve. Hello, Mark. What's going on? Um, I'm 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 heartbroken and despondent, and we'll talk a little bit about more about that in a couple of minutes. But Ouch. just just know that I'm on uh, heavy doses of antidepressants right now. Um, and also with us this week is the professor, Mr. James Messer of ProfessorMesser.com. Hiya, James. Howdy. How are things? Did uh, Isaac leave you uh, relatively intact? It's almost like nothing happened. For those of you that have been sort of watching that storm go by in the past week, uh, I am in the northern part, north central part of Florida. And uh, it was heading right for us. All of the very scientific, this is exactly where it's going to go predictions had it going right over my house. So, of course, it went to Louisiana. Naturally. Louisiana and Mississippi. Yeah. Correct. Yeah, I had a friend of mine uh, post on Facebook, you know, that Louisiana is getting hit hard and people are, are dying and it's terrible. And uh, they listed specifically uh, West Monroe, Louisiana. Well, I've got a buddy who lives in West Monroe and my wife uh, sent his wife a text. said, how are you doing? He said, power's been out about an hour. Otherwise, we're fine. So it all depends on uh, who, who you're talking to. In some cases, it's people dying and in others, it's... Yeah, it's power's out. It's a storm. We'll get over it. Yeah, we're used to this. Yeah, nothing happened in Tampa either down here. I was kind of bummed out. Yeah, well, here in Atlanta, it was just a big rainstorm by the time I got here. So we got about three days of rain, but that's ah. about it. So there so you go. That's the weather update. So why are you sad, Mark? Uh, I'm I'm sad um, because as, as as anybody who knows me and who's listened to any of my shows knows, I am an avid. Uh, barbecuer, uh, a, a, a purveyor or, or practitioner of practitioner, that's the word, of the old school style of slow smoking large chunks of meat. Uh, and pretty much anytime there's a holiday, I like to do it. This is Memorial Day weekend. So I had a um, 30 pound brisket in the smoker and was going to show all these Georgia folks that barbecue means beef and they're deluded to think that it means pork. And um, I'm not sure what happened, whether it was electrical or what, but the smoker literally caught on fire and oh. burned down. It what? burned down? It burned, well, not completely, but it's it's no longer usable. Um, I have uh, I've talked about it before. It's a smoker that I built myself. It's got a wooden superstructure. It's got it's lined with metal inside, but it's it's wood outside with a couple of wooden supports inside. Uh, but generally, that's not a problem because when you're smoking, you keep the temperatures low, and there's not flame and it's not a problem well something caused a flame 
be it an electrical issue or a grease fire, I don't know what. But uh, I had been, I had a nice, you know, hickory smoke going out of it. It was really good, and uh, everything was going fine. And uh, I have a little Bluetooth digital thermometer that keeps the um, a check on the temperature, and it beeped at me and uh, said that it was 385 degrees. And, you know, I don't expect it to be that hot. So I thought, okay, well, maybe it's just a a misfire. Something's not reading right. So I went downstairs, and um, there were flames leaping out of the smoker. Oh, man. Please tell me that the fire department was there. No, no. I took care of it myself. Um, Put it out. You know, everything's fine. No damage done. Of course, the brisket was ruined. But worse than that, my smoker is ruined. Painful. And, and yeah, it was, it, it's, uh, it's hard to understand if you're not into it, but, but picture one of those guys who does like antique car restorations, trashing his car in a hailstorm. That's the equivalent of this. You know, this is, this is my thing. This is what I do. I designed the smoker. I built it. I spent, uh, hours, uh, hand tweaking everything about it. And now it is ash. Wow, man. You think it's probably happened in the move? Something got damaged? Yeah, I'm not sure what it was. Uh, you know, it's. It, wow. I didn't go so far as to do a forensic analysis or anything. I just went, dang, <laughs> and, and moved on. So I'll, you know, I'll build Smoker 2.0 at some point uh, and go there. But the worst case is, the, the worst thing is, I'm having, I was invited to a party tomorrow in which I am bringing the meat. So there's like 30 people expecting food. Um, I got three racks of ribs that I was going to do tomorrow uh, and that big brisket. And now I can't do the brisket and I'll have to do the ribs in the oven and they'll still be tasty, but it won't be barbecue. So not the same. Yeah. Sorry to hear it, man. Yeah. It's so a bummer. I, you know, and, and Pete in the chat room says that I published the plans about it. Yeah. I still, I don't think that my plans are faulty. You know, I don't want you to think if you built one based on what I thought that it's going to burn down. I think this was some freak thing that happened and you have wood in proximity to heat and that happens if, you know, everything has to go exactly just right. So there you go. It's a very sad, very sad moment. I feel for you. But that's okay. I'm here and I'm dedicated to you guys. So what's going on in your life this week, guys? Go ahead, James. My week has been a blur as well. Although I must admit, uh, although I have very often set things aflame, my week did not consist of anything on fire. Good, um, good. I did try this morning to create a virtual version of that because I'm I'm constantly doing upgrades to my website. And I'm constantly trying to make sure I've got the latest version. There's new features I want to use. Well, those new features require an upgrade to the foundational applications used to run my website. If you've run a website, you know you've got Apache, you've got PHP, you've got MySQL. Those are the things that, with along with that Linux operating system, keep everything going. That's your lamp. Um, and uh, and this week I I had to upgrade my PHP. So this is not this is not one of those things where you just copy in a file over, you'll back up the old file and everything's fine. This is a, a pretty substantial change. You're you're effectively changing the language that your website is going to use. And although it was a minor upgrade, it's one of those things where 
you start it and you're sweating a little bit and you're wondering, how's it going to go? Is it going to go okay? We don't know if it's going to go okay. Let's see how this goes. And of course, halfway through, I'm checking the site and of course, it's completely messed up. But it finally finished and the website itself looked okay. There were a number of problems on the back end. For those interested, I was moving from PHP 5.1 to PHP 5.3. So I'm already a little behind, but I tend to be that way because I'm very conservative with upgrades. And there were there was one big change with the way that PHP handles the t- the operating system and how it looks at the time zones. Normally, it would just look at the OS, but it doesn't do that in the latest version. It requires a different setting. So a lot of my back-end processes that I use for my membership management and some of the other management things that I do on the back-end were completely broken. Uh, but fortunately... I found this great tool. I don't know if you're aware of it called Google. Something new. I tried it out. I gave, put in what the errors was, told me exactly what the problem was. We're up and running in five minutes. That sounds like a cool tool. Tell me more about this. Write that down. G-O-O-G-L-E dot com. That sounds like it's going to be pretty big. I was going to save that for my tip of the week, but there it is right there. <laughs> glad you got it up and running, James. I'm, I'm glad it all worked. And next week, I'll try to break something else. So, Yeah, that's what we do, us geeks. All right, Steve, so well, what have you been doing this week? Well, I'm already pretty warmed up from the warm-up here, so I'll keep it short. But um, I found it very interesting since moving into my new apartment. Uh, it's a, the, the room that I moved into, it's, it's pretty much like a big room with a bedroom. It's a one-bedroom apartment. And the room has high ceilings. It's a pretty big room. So there's a lot of echo and, and noise in the room that I didn't have in my old place. So I'm learning all about acoustic treatment and how to treat a room to make it uh, proper for playing music, listening to music, monitoring um, your podcasts, and mixing down audio. So mm. it's not a you know a real sexy subject as far as musicians who are really into gear because they just think, oh, I want the newest preamp, I want the newest mic, I want the newest compressor. But the room is huge. If your room is not treated properly, you're not going to hear truly what's coming out of your speakers and when you mix down it's going to be all wrong so i finally kind of bit the bullet and started learning about it and it's uh, pretty fascinating tons of stuff on youtube great site by a guy called ethan weiner i think it's ethanweiner.com talks all about how to treat a room and where to put panels to absorb sound and to make your room so it's you hear things properly in your monitor so you can mix down and uh, i'll let you guys know yet I haven't made changes, but I've, I'm looking around the room every day planning where I'm going to put panels because I have to build them myself because nice. I, can't afford, I can't afford pre-built panels. I think they're like a million dollars a panel. Yeah. They are. Last I priced them out. I can <laughs> tell you how to build some, but uh, don't move them. That's my advice because they are freaking heavy. Really? Well, no. I'm, Owens Corning, Rockwool. Um, I'm hoping they're going to be light. Yeah, but well, the way I, I did it using two layers of three quarter inch OSB, it was you, not well. You're you're soundproofing. That's true. That's this difference. is on the this is on the inside trying to cut down reflections of noise of bouncing off all the walls. So it's it's different. Yes, yeah, I don't. I would not want to get in the soundproofing mark. I, didn't, I don't want to be yeah. in your shoes. There. You can just hang some heavy quilts and get a pretty good. I mean, the guys over at the home recording show talk about that sort of stuff all the time. Listen to the latest episode, and Ryan kind of got corrected on that. Okay. It does help quilts, you know. It's, the sound's not going to bounce off the wall, but it doesn't absorb. It only absorbs the high and mid frequencies, right. and the lo- and the lows go crazy still. So, there is there's more to it because I would have loved if that was my solution. I would have been like, oh, furniture blank. It's all over the place. I don't care how it looks. 
But no, nah, I gotta I gotta build some panels that are like four to six inches thick. But. Yeah, it's a good start though. It's a cheap way to get started. And uh, but yeah, the, the the low end is always the issue because bass travels through everything, and it's you know it's non directional and it's you know, it's terrible. Yeah, it kind of wreaks havoc. I'm finding out, and I'm I'm hearing it too in my new place. It's it's tough to mix down stuff. You know, you guys know that I like to every now and then talk physics of sound and uh while we're on the subject the, one of the reasons in case you didn't know not one of the reasons but the reason that bass is we we call it uh non-directional or omnidirectional is that the actual waveform of the sound wave below a certain frequency is larger than your head and your ears depend on the travel t- transit between one ear and the other for you to detect sounds so that's how you're like, you can have the 5.1, the one subwoofer anywhere in the room and it doesn't matter because the waves are so big, they're bigger than your head. They hit both your ears at the same time. And so it doesn't matter and you can't trace the sound. It also means they're really good at traveling through things because nothing breaks them up. They're so big. Treble gets diffracted or, or absorbed, whereas the bass, it's such a big wave. It just goes right through stuff. So there you go. Little physics lesson. That's awesome, man. I love that yeah. stuff. Bigger than my head, man. Yeah. It's freaking me out. That's why AM radio works so much better over long distances than FM radio, because uh, AM radio frequency is like the size of a football field, whereas an FM radio frequency is is uh, microscopic. Ah. Interesting. Okay. Sorry. I just, you know, I got to put that degree to use every now and then. This is a good place to put it to use. <laughs> Actually, my degree is in counseling. I just made that up. It's just something I like to do. It's just it's it's a geek fun thing. No, the the physics. Yeah, lying. I enjoy that too. But I always come clean. Not always. That was all. <laughs> so if I talk higher than is my head smaller. No. Okay. But it makes other people's heads smaller. Freaking me out. Figure that out. Um. Okay. Video. Now that we talked mm-hmm. audio. Yes. Um, why do video if you're a podcaster and, and, uh, James, you're not a podcaster. You, uh, are a producer of content, but not so much a podcaster. Uh, so Steve, I will direct this comment, a question to you. And of course, I'm sure James will have some, uh, feedback as well, but why do video, why should a podcaster or Maybe there isn't a why. Should a podcaster do video? What is the, what's the bonus? What's the gain? What's the reason that you would add video to a podcast? Ah, oh, man, that's a, that's a pretty tough question. Um, I, think, I think we should all attempt video just because that's where things are going, I think. That is the future. I mean, before, you know, several years ago, video, it was hard to do video because of bandwidth issues and file sizes and your computers weren't fast enough to do video on the fly and, or, you know, residents, consumer computers weren't the most powerful things. And now, you know, YouTube is everywhere. Video is everywhere. And if you don't learn, at least learn how to do video, you're going to just, I think you're going to miss the boat. It's the next big thing. So that's why you should do it. Um, there's a couple reasons why you shouldn't as well, but that's, I think that's why you should do it. Geeksters.tv in the chat room, obvious plug in the name, uh, form of a name there, uh, says that video helps build a community and makes a legitimate show. So are you saying that this show right now that is not broadcasting video <laughs> is illegitimate? <laughs> I think that's Mitch from Geeksters and 
I don't know. Mitch, I don't know. Because if your video is bad, then you're going to make your show not legitimate. So th that's one of the reasons. Oh, it's Freddie. Hey, Freddie. Um, well, I think that if, you, if you're not ready and able to do a professional job of video or do a good job so that the video is not distracting from the show, then don't do it. And your audio will be just fine and then you'll create professionalism that way. If you're prepared to make some quality video that will enhance your show and professionalism and image and brand, then do video. But I think you, you don't want video to distract from the audio, which is what a lot of people are still listening to these days. But I think it's going to be switching over to video eventually. Well, and then there's there's two different uh, types of video. There's a live-only video where that a lot of podcasters do, where they release in their RSS feed audio only, but during the live experience, they'll do video. And that tends to be uh, more forgiving, shall we say. You know, you're talking about if you can't do high quality. Uh, generally, in that environment, audiences are more accepting of a lower quality thing because it's streaming and you generally have to reduce your quality when you're streaming anyway. Um, so there, there's, there's two different aspects there. There's the live only video and then there's the post-produced RSS video. Um, and I've never it, uh, undertaken that side of it for the reasons you just said, uh, Steve. It's not something I can do well, so I'm not going to do it at all. Yeah, no, you totally nailed it. Um, and it, it is like Freddie said in the chat that the people who want to be really part of the community will will tune in the live shows because that is where like the energy's at. That's where they can communicate. That's where the fun is at. So yeah, I, I agree with you. Doing video live, I, I wouldn't put as much attention on it. You don't have to worry about the quality of it too much. I, I don't anyway at this point. Um, I, we just do Google Hangouts. Um, Mark, you're doing Google Hangouts. You're streaming it over Justin TV, and I think people like it. So that's that's a, that's fine for the community, but yeah, if you really want to do a post production job and add you know music and titles and lower thirds and camera switching and make a professional polished edited show, that takes a ton of work. It really does. I've attempted it, and it takes a ton of work. It takes a lot of bandwidth, and it's about I don't know. I'd say three to five times more work than just doing audio. Well, James, you can talk about that because that's what you do. You produce videos. Uh, and I'm going to put words in your mouth and say that you generally stick to short form video to make it manageable, right? Well, to to some degree, the, the things that I do are that are not a podcast don't have a lot of the restrictions podcasts do. So in the past, I have had... I've, I've previously produced two video-based podcasts, weekly podcast, RSS-fed, iTunes podcasts. And the process of producing one of those is dramatically different than producing a made-for-YouTube video series. Um, dramatic differences between them. And I think it first comes down to what you want to do. Uh, Fred and Mitch in the chat room have already mentioned um, that the first thing that came to my mind as well, which is the connection you make with people. When you can see people on a screen when they're doing their show, it does create a connection with what's going on. You see who they are, you see the surroundings they're in, you can see them communicating. This is one of, obviously one of the big reasons that television connects with so many people is that visual aspect of it. The, the idea of what we do uh, on a podcast, we think of being just 
just audio. And even with the made for YouTube videos, the training videos that I do, I don't have to show myself in those videos if I don't want to. In fact, if you go to YouTube, the vast majority of people who create training videos that, that are found on YouTube, you never see them. You don't even know that they're there. But one of the things that was really important for us when we were building Professor Messer was that we wanted to show ourselves talking to you. We're, we're just a, a talking head in a picture in a picture box on the top of the screen. But that was such a fundamental and really important aspect of communicating with people. And I think ultimately every podcaster is trying to do that. But you have to ask yourself, what do you want the object of your podcast to be? There are some incredibly successful podcasts out there that are audio only. There's no video associated with them at all. And in the, the video podcast I was doing, one was called The Mobile Classroom, where every week I would demonstrate a new version of software, a piece of software I found interesting, and that visual aspect, it, it demanded that I have a video there to display that on. Uh, the other podcast was called What a Week, and that wasn't really anything that had to be visual, but I wanted to make it a video podcast because I felt as it was important to also have video there. And I went through the process of creating multiple versions of that with multiple resolutions and multiple download sizes. And you come across a lot of big challenges when you try to, to undertake that. And Steve's right, five times more work going into that, sometimes more than that. Well, here's yeah. the big question. Is it worth it? And, and that's the question you have to figure out when you're trying to decide before you even start episode one, what's your point of doing this podcast? Do you want to build a community? Are you trying to demonstrate certain capabilities of what you would like to be able to do uh, or demonstrate on the screen? Uh, is it important for you to connect with people visually? Are you wanting an, an audio only? Uh, do you not have a lot of money to be able to put into bandwidth because it costs extra money to store these large, much significantly larger files on a server so that people can download it? Um, would you not be doing this via RSS, but doing it on something like YouTube? or doing it on Justin TV or Ustream where you can host that video effectively for free, but it's not integrated back with RSS. Uh, I think that's your first step is deciding, does it make sense to do this? Is it something that's important to you? Or maybe you just want to be able to do it as a learning experience. Maybe you feel that video is important and something you want to be able to do. Um, you don't really know a lot about it, but when you jump into it and you're producing a podcast and it's a video, you're going to learn very quickly the things that work and the things that don't. And one of the challenges that go, go into uh, producing good video content is that often the, the elements of good video and the elements of good audio are working against each other. Like, for example, I have a large diaphragm mic in front of me with a big windscreen over it, and that is optimal for the audio. But in the video, it hides everything below my nose. And, you know, some would, if you've seen my full face, you might think that's a good thing. But generally speaking, um, the face is what you want to see when you're producing video. So um, there are often these trade-offs that you have to make. If you're doing a video show... Um, Oftentimes, like if you're recording it directly from a camera, it's difficult to get your audio into the camera and get it synced up properly. Uh, and you you run into situations where like the little countryman mics uh, are almost invisible on video, and that looks that's great for video, but the audio quality uh, on that you know a little electric mic is nowhere near 
as good as it would be on uh, a, a large diaphragm um, ribbon or condenser. Uh, uh, so, you know, it's there's like I think you you put it well when you said you got to make that decision before you start doing the show because at some point you're going to have to cheat one or the other and it depends on the decision you've made from the beginning as to which one you're going to do. Well, I think this week was a pretty good example of that. This week and last week, we've not been sending out a video of us. Normally, you can see us communicating. We're on our Google Hangout. You can watch what's going on. Well, this week, because and last week, because we didn't have to worry about that, my lights are off. Uh, I haven't shaven in days. I'm scraggly looking. I would not want people to look at me this way. I've got my big headphones on, the big cans that I normally wear because they're really in comfortable to wear on my head. And they they get rid of all the sounds around me. I usually don't show those on video because they're they look unwieldy and they take away, I think, from the the image that I would like to project. Um, I don't have my big video, fancy video switching system that I normally have up so I can show the studio and I can show my face and I can show what's on the screen that I'm surfing. None of that's running. It. We literally walked in, we turned on Skype and we started talking. Podcast begins. We don't have to worry about any of those other things. Um, next week we'll be on video. I'll do all those things because I feel it's important for a particular view, particular perspective of what I want people to see. But you got to you got to really work where the lights are going and where the camera's going to be. And uh, are you going to wear makeup or not? Do I shave? Uh, do you have the video switching system? It's a significant change in how you think about producing the video. Um, sometimes it's not quite that important to people. They sit down, turn a camera on. They don't care so much about lights or what's in the background or all those types of things. But when you're producing a podcast, it's permanent. It's video. It's never going to go away. You do have to think about those things. I got. I'll give James a tip right here. Um, definitely don't broadcast in HD because then you don't have to shave. And also <laughs> you're. <laughs> Also, you could wear wrinkled T-shirts, and that doesn't really show up that well. I see. This, these are the tricks of the trade, guys. What was I no, thinking? Seven twenty p. It's ridiculous. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Um, yeah. Well, I'm my guys. The guys listening to me know I'm famous for not shaving. But, you just um, throw a hat on and go, right? I do, and that's that's the image I portrayed, good or bad. James is right. You got to think about it. And um, I, I, if if I really wanted to, you know, uh, impress the masses, I would definitely would have given it more thought. But uh, as far as he said about lighting, that, that is, that's a huge issue there, too. I mean, even when I wasn't shaving, I still made sure there was proper lighting. And proper lighting means not just turn a thousand bulbs on you because you will light up like a light bulb and you'll have all kinds of highlights, which is if you ever, you ever look at a picture where there's a light shining on something and there's white where the light is reflecting off them, that's called a highlight. You don't really want to have that all over your face. So, you know, I, I bought like uh, three or four $10 Walmart lamps. And I used white uh, sheets of paper in strategic spots over the bulbs to just soften the lights. You know, this is like ghetto lighting. Yeah. But I, I was able to um, have myself well lit because I think that is important when you do video is to be well lit, but not uh, well lit in a way that makes you look terrible. Well lit with like soft lighting. So you're bright, but the highlights aren't just bouncing off you at all angles, especially when you have oily skin like a like a like a greasy Italian like me. And if you're going to try to do green screen effects, uh, which are free and easy when in most of the software out there, even the free software, lighting becomes even another element because you got to make sure there are no shadows and the light is even on your background. 
And, oh, uh, have you done green screen? Much I more? have, yes. Yeah, that it's a monster. I, I spent about a year perfecting green screen. The, the trick is with green screen too, you have to have a big room because you have to have like six feet of space behind you because the trick about doing green screen is you have to light the screen separately with then other than the lights that are lighting you. So in other words, I had like you're talking about, I had two lights just to light the green screen. So it was an even shade of green all the way across. And then I had lights in front of me that were lighting me because you're right. You will create shadows behind you on the green screen. There's, and I learned all this just doing YouTube videos. There's a couple of good guys out there. I can't remember their names who have great tutorials on YouTube about lighting up a green screen. It's not that hard. Once you get your lights in place, don't touch them, but you're going to have a good time getting everything, you know, nice and even and perfect. And, but once you get it, you're dialed in and that, that, that's huge for professionalism. If you ask me, I didn't want anybody to see my shabby little apartment. So I did green screen and I looked like I had a professional recording studio. So I recommend green screen. Yeah. And then, uh, one added benefit again, when we're, this is not so much with the downloaded video, but with the live video, uh, you know, it's been said many times in, in the communication world that most of the communication people do is visual and, and the voices and the words that you're saying are just one small component of it. So uh, when we have the Google Voice or the Skype video or whatever going and we can all see each other, the communication is taken to a new level. I think you get the best out of your hosts when they can see each other. So even if you don't broadcast that video, I highly recommend that you have some sort of video feed that you watch that that uh, that um, is only for the podcasters, if for no one else, because you can see when somebody's nodding, you can see somebody when somebody's leaning forward and about to speak, and you can uh, judge your uh, words accordingly. And it, it just it adds a whole different level to somebody. And if you, if if somebody's looking a little quizzical, and you know that what you're saying isn't making sense, you get that feedback immediately. Where in in an audio only sense, like we're what we're doing right now, I'm really missing that video because I can't see these guys. I don't know what they're doing. I don't know if if James has fallen asleep on his keyboard as he sometimes does. Um, and and <laughs> you're you're missing an element there. And I think that the communication <laughs> suffers. You know, if you're at all professional, you can certainly rise above that. But it is a. It is. I found it very beneficial for hosts to be able to see each other. Yeah, and you could see each other about to laugh, you know, right. if you make a joke about something and you could see if the person actually took it literally or they found it funny, you know, so you kind of play off of each other. <laughs> right. Because, <laughs> you know, James could be upset that I said he falls asleep at the keyboard and I don't know. And he might was, storm off I and say, I was, I was say F you and, you know, and that'd be that. That would be I the end of off, So I missed the whole thing. <laughs> and we have a we have a, uh, a question in the chat room. Is video latency a problem when you guys do this podcast? Uh, generally, no, because we scale down the video quality significantly. We're, we're pushing like 320 uh, by 240. Uh, very rarely is it even 640 by 480. So uh, with a, a decent connection and scaled down video, latency is really not an issue. And we run our audio separately than the video feed, separate applications. Absolutely. Completely. Yes. I think that's critical. Uh, well, yeah, I'm not going to say it's critical, but with the tools that I have available, um, it is, it is because uh, we do uh, Google voice for video and the audio on Google voice is not good. Uh, not compared to Skype, certainly, but to have Skype 
you you can do multiple video in Skype, but it's not as easy to switch. It's a more, it's a bigger chore. Whereas the switching in Google Video is uh, Google Hangout is very simple. So uh, I the way I like to do it is I do the video using Google Hangouts and the audio using Skype. But when I have a guest on who is you know just a kindergarten teacher who's not uh, a tech uh, person that blows their mind. That's not something I can do with these guys. I can do that easily. But often um, I can't do that, and I just say, "Don't worry about it. Send me a picture, and I'll put up when you're talking." Yeah, yeah. I, I got to say about Google Hangout, especially for podcasters, up and coming podcasters who want to get into video. I think Google Hangout is the future for many, many podcasters. Not only does whatever you do automatically record and get uploaded to YouTube instantly. Um, well, they do have to do a little rendering when you're done the show, but it's already on YouTube. Um, it switches camera views automatically, and on a weekly basis, there's new little plugins and extensions you could plug into the Hangouts to up up your professionalism. Like you could add graphics, and you could make the camera switching stop if you wanted to switch to something manually, and then go back to automatic camera switching. I think that there's a huge future in Google Hangouts for podcasters. I think a lot of guys are going to jump on it just for the sheer fact that it's it's so damn easy. And when I was using Wirecast and <laughs> setting up all my camera views and switching them manually, I did it and I felt really accomplished after each show. Like it was a feat to get it done. And that's cool. But if you really want to save a little sanity, I would start out with some Google Hangout action there and uh, do some podcasts that way. But on the audio end, it falls down in that their codec isn't as good, but mostly you can't separate out the audio. Like I have you, we've talked about this a number of times on the show. I have you guys uh, each on a separate channel and I'm on a third channel. So I can mute out anything I need to. It gives me uh, greater control over editing. Uh, Google Hangouts just renders all that together. And if you do a multi-participant uh, Skype call, same thing. It just renders it all together and it, uh, it leaves you almost no options for post-production. But that combined with the uh, superior sound quality of Skype is why I don't use Google Video for audio. Uh, It's a shame. That that is where it falls down. That's the main point where it falls down right now is the audio quality. But it's getting better. I've noticed an increase in quality since I started using it. So I think they'll finally come around eventually. I don't think it'll ever be multi-track though. No, probably not multi-track like you're talking about. And that's how I recorded a majority of the PodNuts shows. And I, I almost wouldn't have it any other way when you get to that point. But yeah, that's an, who knows? Who knows? Google might surprise us. And that's all I'm going to say about that. I'm just letting the awkward pause roll. I'm <laughs> reveling in the awkward pause. Well, that sort of leads into the next problem you have with video is the editing part of it. It is... It is a little bit more tricky to edit or cut something out of a video feed and make it look good, make it look like you just did do a sharp cut right there. With audio, you can literally take one sentence and parse it into another sentence and make it sound perfectly normal and nobody even knows there was a cut there. With video, you have to think about a separate camera angle or fading things in and out or finding another way to do it or just doing separate takes completely, which is generally what I tend to do with my training videos because it's so obvious when you try to make a sharp cut like that. Post-production is a little bit more of a challenge. Yeah, I, like I said before, James, many times 
I don't know how you do it, man. <laughs> Video is tough, and um, you must really have got got the uh, streamlined procedure down there because I know what it takes to do my video, and uh, good job on doing all your camera cuts. You know, with audio, you can construct whole sentences that were never spoken. Oh, yeah. You know, you could take this word and paste it into that word and make it sound uh, pretty fluid. With video, the eyes are sharper than the ears, and it just never works. Yeah, yeah. So true. But but that's that's one of those things you sort of have to think about on the front end if you want a podcast that will be video that you're going to edit and maybe something you'll do a lot in post, you may have to do a number of cuts uh, two or three or four times or find some other way to make those cuts like a different camera angle. You see that sometimes the late night talk shows where they're showing somebody doing their monologue and then all of a sudden they, they shoot a, a section, you see the audience and then it goes back to the person who was doing the monologue. Something happened just then. There, there was something cut out and that they just shifted the camera so it looked completely natural. Right. Or, you know, if, if you've ever done any, any television, not live television, but like, you know, a television show, they do the same scene five times with one camera in five different positions, and then they edit that together. So when you're watching a, a show and there's a guy talking and then it cuts to another guy and then there's another guy, there wasn't three cameras doing that. There was one camera doing that, and they did the scene three times and cut it all together. Mm -hmm. uh, so you, it's that kind of work involved if you want to produce that kind of quality product. I got to be honest, sometimes that I notice that, you know, the pe person's mouth isn't lined up for the right. second take and you, and that takes away from me. I, I, I like keeping it real to use a cliche, like a real cliched term, but um, that sometimes that takes it away from me when things are overproduced. And so, okay, let's, let's move on now. Once you've got your video and you've decided you're going to release an RSS published video, where do you put that thing? You know, uh, we, you guys have criticized me, or at least Steve has a little bit in the past about the fact that my audio files are big because I do stereo instead of monio, uh, monio, mono. Um, <laughs> you should do monio. Yeah, monio. I'll work on that. Um, but when you add video to that, you're talking ten times the size, uh, and your five ninety five a month hosting plan ain't gonna work. So where do you put that video, and and uh, how do you manage the bandwidth, not just the storage, but the bandwidth for people to download that much data? Again, James, I'll draw on your expertise in this. Well, I've I've done this now for four or five years, um, and it's changed dramatically in that period of time. The options available first, if you're planning to do a video podcast it's probably going to cost you money to be able to host this. You're not going to be able to get away with the small hosting plan because the files are just so big, uh, especially if you become popular and people want that video, it's going to be a lot more downloaded. So you're going to fill that up. So there's a number of options that are available. One that's been around for a very long period of time and used by many podcasters is Libsyn, L-I-B-S-Y-N. Uh, their plan is specifically created for podcasters and their plans are set up so that you only pay for the size of the files that you upload to them on a month by month basis, which means you can upload one file, you pay for the upload or at least the space available to upload it. And then if uh, one person or a million people wanted to download it, you don't pay anything different. 
All you're paying is for that effectively how much storage you're going to use in a month. And it will stay there indefinitely as long as you keep paying your monthly bill. Well, with video, of course, you're having to pay for the higher tier of service because you're not uploading a 5 to 10 megabyte file. You're uploading a 50 to 100 or more megabyte file for every episode. And so that in that case, it's going to cost you more to be able to do that. Now, things have gotten a lot better as the years have gone by, storage has certainly gotten a lot cheaper. The networks have gotten a lot better. And you have people like um, like Amazon that have built a cloud specifically to store files on it. And people can download a gig and it costs a penny to you for someone to download a gigabyte of information. So those costs have just shrunk dramatically. So if you are Good. someone who has very, very large files and you want to have it something that's at least cost effective and a pay as you go, uh, some of the, the cloud-based services that Amazon has and other companies now are, are very, very attractive to the podcaster. Well, to address uh, a question from the chat room, Pete asks, can you just trust video? Uh, excuse me, trust YouTube to host your video. Why not just stick everything there and use that for free? Sure. And and video is a viable alter alternative if you are not at all interested in having an RSS feed and putting this podcast on Apple's iTunes or other RSS feed related services. Yeah, that's the issue. You got to push everybody to issue. YouTube. That's right. Uh, and so they're not going to be able to open their iTunes and have it automatically download that video and have it waiting for them and then have it automatically transfer to your portable device. They're going to have to go online. They're going to have to click something and they're going to have to go to YouTube for that. Uh, but YouTube's free. It doesn't cost you anything to put it there. There's no uh, additional things you would have to do or extra payments you have to do. Uh, a million people can watch it. You don't have to pay for any of that. And it's all out there. In fact, YouTube has the advantage of, of having the built-in monetization. You can have ads on your videos that people then would click on or they'll see and you end up making money from those videos. And if you're pushing people to your website rather than to iTunes, you can embed YouTube video right in your own website. In that case, it does show up in an RSS feed, but it's not going to show up on a podcatcher of, of any kind. Right. Yeah, yep. you're basically losing, when you use YouTube, you're just losing some control. You're losing control of what ads get shown. You're losing control of what YouTube wants to do with your video. They're going to do with your video. So you are sacrificing that. And so it has, for, it has its benefits, but it also has, you lose a bit of control. For years as podcasters, we have trained our audiences to uh, use some sort of podcatcher, be it iTunes or, or something on their phone or something on their computer. Uh, and now after teaching them, this is what you have to do it. This is how the, these are the hoops you have to jump through. Now you're changing the rules on them. Uh, and I think that, uh, is, is if not detrimental, it, it's an extra, uh, step of ab abstraction that is probably not going to, uh, uh, be the best business choice. And podcasts are hard enough to get people to look for it online, find the feed, click the subscribe button, have it download to their system, have it sync to their mobile device. We're asking a lot already. Yeah, and as you discovered, uh, James, uh, if you put up uh, certain types of content, like, for example, uh, audio overlays, you run the risk of it just not being available on YouTube. I have had YouTube system take some of my videos down. I have produced a video that had 
my content, my graphics, uh, my talking head, everything in there I produced and created from scratch myself and their quote unquote automated systems took it straight down. And why? Because someone, because it it fired on some type of some some type of a, a video or audio stream in there that was a fingerprint similar to somebody else's content. In this case, it was a German music company, and that <laughs> fired. And the German music company, instead of looking at my video and going, "No, this is not the same as what we are doing," they instead pushed the button and said, "Oh yeah, we will take it off of the YouTube." And they took it off. It was gone. Uh, and I'd send them an email and say, um, hello, nice German people. As you can see, this has nothing to do with your boy band that you're representing back in Germany. Could you please click the button to put it back on? And uh, didn't hear anything from them. And so I sent another email and said, no, really, this is not German hip hop. This is me. And I did everything. And this is my graphic. And I created these. And this is mine. And this is the website. And had to go into more detail. And didn't hear anything and finally said you want i just have my my lawyer can call you um of course i don't didn't really have the lawyer but i said hey my lawyer can call you and they said oh well we are very sorry here you go put it back up really that's awesome <laughs> well i would have put i would have done a whole new video james in german I was I was planning to put just another <laughs> upload of the video in a different order right. in order to get back online because my videos have there's there's dollars associated with them. If they're not sure. online, then I lose money. So that automated system that was there to protect um, and, and there's a completely different conversation we can have about the 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 use or misuse of uh, DMCA and other types of copyright protection systems. This one didn't work very well, although ultimately three days later, it finally got reinstated. I The mark was removed. YouTube doesn't look at me any poorly because uh, they'll they'll put marks on your account to say yeah you're a guy who really steals copyrighted stuff well they said right. no 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 this is legit you're cool uh you're back online again meanwhile there are a hundred lip dubs of Katy perry's firework out there <laughs> that nobody cares about it's still going i care that's about true. it greatly as a matter of fact <laughs> and i appreciate those people that's what we watch in the post show guys <laughs> Uh, yep. But also, uh, didn't you, James, have a story about? Uh, I think it was Germany, right? The 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 overprotective Germans that if you have music in your video, they just simply strip out the audio, so you have a, a video there with no audio. That, that's a much broader problem, and it exists for podcasters as well, because we like to have. In fact, last week we talked about having. Uh, some bumper music, having a, a, a stinger at the beginning and end of your podcast that is something unique that describes you that when people hear it, they'll naturally think of you. But in countries like Germany, uh, the the copyright concerns were extremely dramatic and the government, well, in this case, I believe it was something voluntary between the, uh, the music producers in Germany and YouTube came to an agreement that yes, you can have music videos on YouTube, but if anything has any music inside of it where somebody is making money from it, YouTube, we would like you to filter it so that no one in Germany can view that video. So I had an entire series of training videos that had a perfectly legal 
uh, muse piece of music that I purchased. It was one of the the stock music that's royalty free. I can play it as much as I want. It's completely legitimate. I've got the receipt. It's really mine to use. Uh, or if I just created original music myself, it wouldn't have mattered uh, because there was music in my video and there's advertising on my video. It is blocked to anyone who's in Germany. And that's that's it. You can't get around it. You can't you can't petition to change that. That is an agreement that YouTube has made with those uh, many different producers, music producers in Germany. That's crazy. It's, it's crazy. It's crazy. And so from that point on, all of my videos have no music at all on them because I got emails from people in Germany, even Americans who were stationed on. Air Force bases, Army bases, they're, they're with our military and they're based in Germany because their IP address is German. They can't watch my videos. Uh, so I said, forget dang. that. I'm just going to jump right over that. And I've removed the music and I'm disappointed about that. It, it makes a difference when you have something at the beginning of the video to lead you into the content and lead you out of the content. But sure. I had to make a decision. Well, and then let's uh, uh, go a little farther down the rabbit hole and talk about the alphabet soup of video formats. You can't just throw one video format out there and say, okay, y'all come get it. It, it really is a challenge. Uh, it's, it's something you have to decide before you even post the very first one. Is it going to be a QuickTime format? Is it going to be... Um, is it going to be a Windows format? Uh, what is the format, the codec of the video, and what is the video container that you're going to put it in? Some video players that are in browsers can play certain types. Some cannot. Some older browsers can. Some newer browsers can't. Um, there's, there's all kinds of technical challenges associated with that as well. And then you might want a, a 720p 30 frame per second for the desktop viewer and then a, uh, a 640 by 480 15 frame per second for mm -hmm. a mobile user and then maybe even a smaller one for somebody with constricted bandwidth. you got to put all that up there, which is more work, more storage space, more convoluted URLs. I hate it when I go to a, to subscribe to a podcast and there's like nine URLs to choose from. And I it's know. like, I, I just want the MP3. Which one is that? You know, and then I often listen to um, uh, open source centered podcasts, and so they throw out there the the Og Theora just to be safe. Mm -hmm. You know, we right. got to have our our free codec out there, uh, and it's just it gets really confusing as an end user. And I'm a technical guy, uh, and you you know, if you're trying to hit an audience of somebody who's not technical, or you're trying to to train somebody in the art of being technical. Um, you don't want them to have to to have too many choices. You know, you want select column A or column B, and that's it. But when you d uh, go down the rabbit hole of video, that's not really the way it works at all. Well, you Jane, hit on my, Jane, my big problem. I was going to ask you, James. What so what do you do for that? Do you, what format do you put your videos in so everybody can get them easily and watch them on most of their devices? It's just one of those animated GIF files. Nice. No. Um, <laughs> that, that is the problem because some of my videos are, this is how computers work. That's the training class is you start from the very basics and then you learn how to install operating systems and you learn how to troubleshoot them if they don't start up. But you're starting from the very beginning. So imagine giving someone, here's an MP4 file, knock yourself out. Really? What, what do I do with it? It doesn't play when I put it in Windows XP in Windows Media Player. Now what? Right, right. Uh, that's, that's a challenge. And you have to make trade-offs. Are you going to put it in a format that 90% 
of the systems out there are going to be able to play or are you going to put it in something that's very specific to an operating system? Now, in my particular case, I went very broad and fortunately, the industry has gotten very good at playing QuickTime videos that are packaged in an MP4. And that's a very, very common format now on almost everything. It used to be mobile devices couldn't play those. They didn't have the power. Uh, now, of course, our mobile devices um, can can solve all kinds of problems for us. They have, they have multi-core processors and the video displays in HD. You don't really have those issues mobile. Uh, it's your operating systems, you tend to have those problems now. But even so, I can take a, vi I can take a, a, a DVD-ROM I've created with these MP4 files that I didn't even plan to have it work this way, but I've got some of my customers who'll stick it in their PlayStation 3, it pops up a list on the screen, and they just play it, and it plays in 720p HD right there on their screen. Yeah, I, I didn't even plan for that, but I, I was lucky enough to pick a format that ultimately the industry got behind and said, okay, we'll do it that way. So MP4, I think it's the way to go. MP4 as a container is a great uh, format. Uh, it's so common to see it practically everywhere these days. Even the older Blackberries will play that format. Some of the older uh, Microsoft operating systems and very, very old version of Windows Media Player may not because there's QuickTime inside of that container. Uh, and it may not know that if, the, if QuickTime was never installed on that particular Windows device, the codec just isn't there to be able to decode it. Uh, but that's that's something that almost everybody these days, they've installed iTunes or they've installed QuickTime for something else. I rarely these days get an email that says, I just can't play this. What do I do? And my my default answer is go get VLC Media Player or go get, which is, is VideoLand, uh, VideoLand.org, or just download and install QuickTime and that will certainly play it. That is exactly my troubleshooting answer too for my videos. Yep. And, and let's just say that uh, can we all agree that that's a stupid thing to have to do? I mean, yeah. <laughs> yeah, the the state of the art right now is pretty crummy. Um, I'm hoping that uh, brighter people than I am can solve this problem. But right now, it is too darn hard to get a podcast. I should not have to care what operating system my like a television. Every television plays every television show. Right now, it, it may be um, stretched a little bit if it's a 16 by 9 TV and it's a 4 by 3 image, but I can see it. Uh, podcasting is nowhere near that simplicity yet. We, we need the podcast toaster. We need a device or, or a set of codecs or a standard that is just going to work no matter what you do everywhere you go. And we're not yeah. even close to that. You peel back the onion, though, and you start to see what the complexities are. First, playing a video is is something we do all the time. We go to YouTube, we play a video. But behind the scenes, the process to decode and display that video to you on the screen is incredibly complex. The, the encoding of it and the decoding of it are incredibly complex. Um, on top of that uh, is the thing that makes everything come to a grinding stop, and that's money. Uh, some of you may remember an older codec, it's still around, called DivX. And so there's, there's, that's a very proprietary format, but it became very popular because it was really good. And this was well before having MP4 and some of the enhancements that have been made to some of the MP4 and some of the QuickTime formats. But DivX became really popular 
but it cost money to people for to license that. So you didn't see it pop up in a lot of other video players. So there, there already was a conflict because there was monies involved with this. When something is really, really good, there has to be an effort made to create that really, really good thing. And so many times there's money associated with that effort that people want to be able to license or sell or do something to get a return on that. And now look at all the different video formats out there. Every video format is good at something and not so good at something else. It's hard to find one that's good at everything. Uh, and then you have to decide how much you're going to compress it. Well, some compress better than others. Uh, so I can make my file very small. Uh, some play better than others on mobile devices. And I have a lot of mobile users, so maybe I should think about that. Uh, there's so many variables involved with that. It's almost impossible to come up with one that's going to work 100% of the time. We're, we're getting closer to that as we're, as we're getting better at developing programming a lot of the free codecs out there are extremely good now uh, and some of the commercial ones that are are extremely good have been made available for little to no cost which makes them more available to everybody um, that's the piece i think that we're, we're going to have to watch and continue to see where it goes in the industry we may all be shifting to an open source format someday who knows it's going to be where everybody is going and what our products are going to be able to play yeah, but the issue there, it's uh, it's a chicken and an egg thing, sort of, is uh, there's no uh, proliferation of a format unless there's money to be made from it. And yet, people don't want to pay to use a format. So nobody's going to design a product for free just because. And the people who do design the product can't get anybody to buy it, so they end up having to license it really cheap. And then people don't pay for it anyway. So it's 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 almost going to be a lost leader or it's going to take some uh, organization or some benefactor to say, for the good of the world, we're going to create this super awesome Kodak and give it away. But so and, far, and that hasn't happened. Actually, it has, but not in the way that we wanted. Microsoft did exactly that with their WMV format. Apple did exactly that with some of their... Their, uh, their codecs that they've created and that they've worked on. Um, okay, there's two. You know, that's not enough. Um, but they had the money to invest in that because they knew they'd be able to make it up in all of their products. I could never do that. I don't have the money to put into that to be able to build that and do something with it. I'm surprised we don't have one from Google yet. And well, there are Google's some, working on it. The they're web working on thing. it. Yep. Because yeah. because YouTube and Google Hangouts has some very advanced codecs there that are proprietary to Google. That someday they may say, "All right, now it's open source." And some open source formats we've already mentioned a few already are very good. They just don't have the groundswell and ubiquity in the in the video players to be able to know for sure that if you put out a video in that format, that everyone would be able to play it and, or know what they were. Doing. Well, and you you said the problem there. The Apple had a, pro, a standard, and Microsoft had a pro, standard, and neither of them would use the others. You couldn't play a WMV on a Mac, and you couldn't play a QuickTime file on a Windows machine for a long time. And I could edit and store a flash formatted file with Adobe's editor, and I could not do that with Sony's editor, and I, and certainly not with Apple's editor. Things like that are a problem too. Yeah, that's a pain. That's a huge pain. So we need some sort of harmonic convergence of codecs. And, you know, we've talked about AUG and Vorbis and Theora and, and mm -hmm. uh, those open source codecs. 
uh, and and uh, MKV format, they are very good. Yeah, they are. They're just nobody's using them, and I, I, you know, I'm sure there are reasons for it. I don't know what they are, but if Microsoft and Apple and BlackBerry and uh, uh, Google would all put uh, Vorbis and Aug and Theora support into their devices, into their software uh, natively, the problem would be solved. But everybody has their own uh, windmill to tilt at. And when I uh, got into this when I was dealing with questions around locking down the videos, putting some type of copy protection on videos. I did extensive uh, uh, studying. I did evaluations of different software versions of how you would lock down these things because I was considering doing that um, uh, because I had lost my mind. So you, <laughs> just, you can send me the emails. I will not read them and I will, I will not reply to them. Uh, just trust me, I lost my mind. So I thought, let's see if this is viable. Um, the, the, the short story is it's not. It's ridiculous to even think that this can be done easily, but you have to then choose. There's a way to do it in Microsoft. There's a way to do it with Apple and their formats. Right. And there's a way to do it with Flash. And you have to pick one. Which one would you like to use? And you're locked into it forever. Um, and best of luck to you. Uh, that's one of the reasons is that the open source formats uh, don't give anyone control. And the large organizations... Um, have certain features and certain capabilities they would like to have within their video containers and the codecs that they can't get if somebody else is making it. Yeah. Mark, are you doing that on purpose or why? No, I was, I, I was, <laughs> I was forming out, a thought. All right. It, sometimes it takes me longer than others. So um, you, you do have to think about that when you're editing as well, because if you're doing a lot of things in a flash format, you will probably want to lean towards an Adobe to make it easy. You would lean towards perhaps Premiere or Premiere Pro by Adobe. If you're going to produce a lot of things on an Apple Macintosh platform in Mac OS 10, then you will perhaps want to use uh, the the iMovie or the uh, the 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 Apple related video editing pieces of software that that you would have out there. If you do a Microsoft or you're doing other formats, maybe you use something else, maybe Sony Vegas or other types. Each each one of those video editors has different default formats. They're very good at outputting those different versions. Or you have to become very adept at using third-party products to be able to convert your video into formats that your end users will ultimately be able to use. Well, and that, uh, you know, t takes us down that whole row of, of how do you edit the video? How do you compose the video? And those choices are made uh, based on so many variables. Like, you know, you, you just said there, what what's your intended audience? That's going to matter. What is your comfort level? What do you like? Uh, that's going to matter. And what's your budget? That goes way up there. You know, I was oh, having yeah. a, a back channel conversation there in the chat room. Um, we, we as podcasters, we don't pay for license fees for codecs. We pay it when we buy software. And so the software that can do more costs more because Adobe uh, has paid more for their Kodak licenses. And so when you get Adobe Premiere or, or you know, whatever the version it is now, uh, Creative Suite, uh, you're going to pay for more because they can do more. And when you get Sony yep. Vegas, that's expensive because they have rolled their licensing in there. Uh, if you want to do things on the cheap or the free, like I do, you know, I use the lame encoder with an audacity, mm -hmm. which technically by the letter of the law is not legal. Um, it's, uh, you know, it's, 
it's out there and nobody's disputing it. But at any point, the Fraunhofer Institute could come and say, you know, you're using MP3s and we don't see any evidence that you licensed it. Uh, so there's, you know, it's it's there's this mental calculus you have to do uh, based on your audience, based on your taste, based on your budget, based on your uh, comfort with the software. Yep, and that's uh, you have to create your video, do some tests of video, play it in different formats. If it's important for people to be able to play it on their Roku, to be able to play it on their PlayStation, you're going to have to play it in those. If it's going to play on an Android device, on an iOS device, you're going to want to play it on those and make sure it looks good. It doesn't skip and it doesn't have funny art artifacts appearing and green messages on the screen. Uh, if it's going to be primarily in Windows or primarily on a Linux device, you're going to have to play it on those and just find what type of format is going to work for you. Yeah, and uh, I actually had an email from somebody asking me what program they should use for podcasting right before the show. And as far as choosing which program you want to use for your editing, it's it's really going to be all about what you feel comfortable with. I mean, just tr download the free trials of them all. You know, you got Veg on, on the PC, you got Vegas, you got Adobe Premiere, you have uh, Premiere Elements, uh, you have Movie, um, well, Movie Maker, you have Magic's Movie Maker, Oh, gosh, I can't even, Corel makes one. So just download all the free trials, see which one works for you the best. They all pretty much do the same thing. And at this point, they all do the, the file formats that James has talked about. So it's not really which pro program is the best. It's which one's most comfortable for you. I use Sony Vegas. I think it's fast. I think the fact that they haven't upgraded the, the actual GUI, the user interface in years, to me, means it's just going to be a faster program, and it is. Um, they don't try to bloat it all out with all these, um, you know, rounded edges and shading. So the, the it might not look the newest, but it's fast. It does the job for me. When I was on a Mac, I, I did a bunch of stuff in iMovie, and then I upgraded to Final Cut uh, Express. I never made it to Final Cut Pro, and they all get good results. It's it's all a matter of learning the program. Don't worry about which other one has more features at this point. I mean, just try them all out and. Just learn the one that you think is, is the most comfortable for you, and you'll get good results. They all can do a good job. I'm going to start releasing everything in raw, uncompressed wave format from now on. It's, awesome. uh, there's no Kodak encumbrance. It's totally free. It's an open standard, and everything can play it. Trouble is, a one-hour podcast would be about six gigs. But it would sound awesome. It really would. Really good, yeah. I was actually thinking about releasing like a platinum Podnuts collection, all of the podcasts in wave format uh, in, in some type of medium, like on a hard drive or something, and you know <laughs> charge money for that. <laughs> because the I hate compressing down to MP3 because the quality of wave is just beautiful. So maybe one of these days we'll do that. Yeah, and I wasn't exaggerating when I said six gigs. When I click save on this Audacity file, it's going to produce something about six gigs in size. Um, that's because we talk a lot. Well, it's just big. And if you want to do, uh, like the raw uncompressed video, go AVI. What is that? Something like a megabyte per second. Uh, About, I think. Yeah. Yeah. So that's crazy. So you can see why there's so much money in the Kodak market. Cause com you can't do it uncompressed. I, I yearn for the day when bandwidth is so cheap and storage is so cheap that we can do AVIs and waves. That would be awesome. Full, uncompressed audio and video. But yeah. uh, we're a long way from that. I think resolutions will get too high in the future that it will, it'll never catch up. 
for us to be able to use uncompressed because people are going to be like recording in 4K, you know, in the future. And I can't imagine what an uncompressed 4K file would be for video. Nuts. Hey, uh, last thing bef before we do the wrap up or unless you guys have anything else. Um, when we were talking about doing video and engaging with the community, one thing that a lot of guys have told me through the years when you're doing, when you're doing video and a reason to do video live is that they really enjoy the pre and post show, the, the, the moments before the show actually starts. And we know what all the guys are, or girls are saying in the show to each other and how they're preparing. And then after the show's over, how they kind of wind down and just kind of just talk amongst themselves. That I never realized and I never believed it until people kept telling me um, was a very enjoyable experience for the live listeners. So, um, I would say broadcast a little bit of your pre before you start the show and broadcast a little bit after the show and uh, people will stick around. You can chat with the chat room then and uh, it's it's a good time. It, it really adds to the community. And, you know, maybe even someday roll some of that into a podcast. Like after, after, after the closing music, you could put that in there like a little audio Easter egg. Yeah, exactly. I've done it a couple times. I don't, I don't know why people like it, frankly, <laughs> but that, they do. That's the thing. I know I, I couldn't figure it out either, but um, they do. It's a fact. Okay. And that's all I'm going to say about that. That's all I have to say about that. That's my Forrest Gump impression. I've had a hankering, that's a Texas word, hankering to see that movie lately. I don't know why. Everything seems to come back to Forrest Gump. Everything reminds me of it. <laughs> they sending me to Vietnam. It's this whole other country. <laughs> okay. Any other uh, thoughts? Uh, well, I know there are lots of other thoughts. Any other thoughts that we can discuss in a timely manner about video, James and or Steve? Well, not if you're going to say timely manner. No, I think we've we've covered the high points. We could have I I could have uh, a five day seminar series on doing video and working with it and going through all the things that I've gone through through the years. So um, perhaps that's an idea for a brand new podcast. You know what? I think I could sum that all up into a five second video series. Don't. No, don't say that. <laughs> Just don't do it. Just don't do video. No, I, I think I, well, I mean, that's your opinion. I would encourage everyone to try it and see what works for them. Like we talked about in the beginning of the show, there's some podcasts that are going to have to have video. Like if you're doing an art podcast and you got to show stuff, but even if you're not, try video and get the reality that we're talking about yeah. for yourself. And then you'll probably not want to do it. But, you know, uh, I think it was uh, mentioned in the chat room or maybe when you guys said it uh, uh, earlier in the show that, you know, the, the, the grand wizard of podcasting, Leo Laporte, who's sort of the, the guy right now, um, is really pushing hard for video and is not seeing the results. He has, you know, he might have 2,000 people watch it live and 20,000 people download the audio only. Uh, and he's he's go he's all in on it. You know, he's built a TV studio for it, and it's not there yet. So it's um, th the market isn't there yet. People aren't watching TV on demand in that format yet. Right. Um, they they will, I think. Yeah. But they're just not there yet. He's prepared. Right. But you know and, what? And I can tell you that if you have built a business model that takes into account video as being your primary source of revenue that you can build a profitable business 
that you can use to support your family with because I've done that. So I am, I am the exception to that. And in my world, I'm, I, I, I have accomplished exactly what I set out to do, which was make a bunch of videos and have people watch them enough that it would create enough revenue for me to keep making videos. Well and, done, James. And that's the, the sort of brain bender because nowhere yeah. in there did you say sell. Right. You, that's a, you do sell videos, but it's a very small part of your business. It's it's growing. It's it is a part of my business, but uh, it's not the the primary part of my business now. I know for a fact that the, most of the guys that listen to my shows they do it in their car, right? And you don't want you don't want somebody watching video in their car. That would be so, bad. Yeah, yes. could be. Don't watch video in the car. And and I subscribe to a couple of video podcasts, but I play them in the car, and I'm not watching the video. You know, it's the content that I'm interested in, and it's only available in video. Hmm. That's interesting. And and in the chat room, to the the point that was made by by the Uber geek, um, Pete, sometimes people do video and forget that the audio is really the most important thing, and they spend so much time on the video part they forget and they lose sight, and their audio gets worse. You don't want that to happen, even in video. The most important thing is the audio. Right. And that goes back to what I was saying earlier. They're, they're so often at odds. Um, you know, I've, going back to Leo Laporte, he is, like I said, he's all in on video. He is cheating his audio f- quality in favor of better looking video. Uh, on some a, cases, on, yeah. On a number of his shows. Yeah. Uh, some of them he still does the sit behind the radio mic and just a talking head. But he's, none of his new shows have been that. Everything he's rolled out in the last year or so has been video first audio second um and and like i said he's all in on that that's what he's going to do and and if you're an audiophile and you're watching the nightly news you're miserable because the audio sucks yeah but it's because they're focused on the video you can't do both yet successfully you can't do them both really well i mean that's why um if you're watching uh a video of a radio show you get these guys with the giant headphones on, talking into the giant mic, not even looking at the camera. In that case, it's a radio show that's on video. You see those on like ESPN all the time. Um, but if you're a TV show, the audio quality is not such that you would want to turn off the video and just listen to the audio. That's, right. that's almost never the case. Hmm. That's a good point. So you have to make that choice early on and say, am I a TV station or am I a radio station? It's a tough choice. Choose wisely. And that's all I have to say about that. (laughs) Okay, moving on to uh, if there's nothing else. uh, Stop me in five, four, three, two, one. Nothing else. Moving on um, to our lessons you learned this week. And mine is don't burn your house down. Barbecue's not worth it. That's that's my (laughs) lesson I learned this week. Barbecue is good, (laughs) but it's not worth burning your house down over. That's a good lesson. I'm glad you, you learned that. What, well, what are you going to do, Mark, with your bar? Are you going to build another one? At some point, I will. We were talking about this, this on the show I did earlier tonight. Uh, come Thanksgiving, I'm going to have to smoke a turkey. So I'm going to have to have something by then. So I, I will mourn. You know, When you lose a dog, you don't go out and buy a puppy the next day. So I'm in mourning right now for my device. But uh, a new one will be built in the future, and I will use less wood and more metal. Sounds good. 
So, uh, James, what was the lesson you learned this week? I, I learned that uh, for some reason I can't buy anything related to audio because for some reason I'm just too ignorant of it. Um, you know, we even did a whole podcast on audio interfaces and I'm in the market for a new audio interface. Although if I remember that particular podcast, it was just me complaining on how every audio uh, interface I've used has had some type of problem or another. So I'm ready to buy a new audio interface for my computer. And I keep going back and forth over going the low cost method that I've done in the past or really splurging and getting a, a nice, uh, uh, nice type of audio, USB type audio interface for my computer. And for some reason, cannot pull the trigger. So maybe by next week, I will have actually learned the lesson and finally made a decision. Good luck with that. And I'm sure yeah, you'll let us know how it turns out. I, I'll mm-hmm. talk to you after the show, James. I might be able yeah. to help you a little bit. Steve is an interface nut. Well, I am leaning towards the PreSonus, and I know Steve's a big fan of, of their hardware, so we'll see. All right, Steve, what is your lesson you learned this week? Well, it's like, more like a discovery I had this week. Um, for the longest time, uh, not, actually not, not too, too long, I wanted to have recently a num- I wanted to have a phone number I could use when I set, buy and sell things on Craigslist because I got a new cell phone number, and I don't want it kind of spoiled by putting it up on Craigslist when I'm trying to sell something and say, text me at this number. Um, because you certainly don't want to put your email address on Craigslist. So what people are doing these days is you know, putting their phone numbers and say, text me. Because um, I had some electronics I'm trying to sell. Anyway, I found a service that just nailed it. They, they offer exactly what I want, and it's free. It's sendhub.com, S-E-N-D-H-U-B.com. What you do is uh, you go there, they'll give you a free phone number, a thousand texts per month, and you also get like 30 minutes of voice so people could call you on it. Um, there's an, an iPhone app for it, so you could get all your texts through that. You could do it right through your desk, your, your computer. It's got an interface, uh, web interface, so you could just, when you get a message, it just answer it on your computer. Or you could just use your Android phone, and um, whenever you get a message, it just your phone notifies you, and you can answer it from your, your phone. So it's just, it nailed it on every front. I love it so far and it's been working and you know, I've gotten people call me and text me on this for my Craigslist needs and uh, though they offer some higher tier plans I don't need them so it's free for me and it, it's great so I just highly recommend if somebody's looking for that now how this relates to podcasting I could kind of tie it in there um, if you want people to call you or leave you messages on a uh, separate number and you don't want to use your cell phone number or you don't want to do a Skype number uh, just see if, what SendHub can offer you I wish they had like an affiliate program because I'd be giving you a link, but uh, they don't. So I'm just recommending it freely to you, you know, so check it out. They got a couple people on that's, that's running that company that are, that live in Florida and in one of them, a, 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 an alumna of the same university that I attended. So it'd be interesting to learn more about this. It sounds really, you, really interesting. Ah, are you, what, are you looking at the website or you actually know them yeah. guys? No, I'm, I'm on it and it just, sort of popped up that at least one of them's living in Florida, the other person a, a graduate of Florida State. So um, sweet, pretty interesting stuff. Yeah, I'm, I'm really happy so far. I just signed up with it yesterday, but um, it's beautiful uh, interface and the little introduction video just basically answered every, 
answered every question I had about the service. So uh, they're really doing it right. I think it's one of those Y Combinator startup companies mm. that um, so they got some training about how to actually start up a good company. I just Thanks. signed up while you were talking about it just now. That's how easy it is. Yeah. I, I entered my email address, my phone number, or not my email address, my name, my phone number, created a password. They sent me a text message, and now I have a new phone number. I just did it. Isn't that awesome? That's great. That's cool. Yeah. Um, and this, uh, uh, <laughs> just something that uh, I learned this week, actually, it's, it doesn't have anything to do with podcasting, but I think this audience might be interested in it. Uh, has any of you ever heard of an OBI device? OBI, O-B-I-H-A-I. Uh, they're, no. not, they're not new. They've been around for a long time. But uh, just uh, this week, I, I ordered one a couple weeks ago through elementop.com slash Amazon. Uh, and it's, uh, the one I got is 39 bucks, one time ever. Okay? Uh, it comes, it's a little tiny box, like half the size of a deck of cards. It's tiny. I plug it into my Ethernet, uh, to my uh, home router, and then I plug a standard old analog telephone line into that. Five minutes or less of setup later, my Google Voice number now rings at my house. And when I call uh, uh, some an outbound call, it's made from my Google Voice number. At no cost, free calls throughout North America uh, for that one $40 fee one time. And I don't have a home, now I have a home phone line without paying for home phone service. Wow, that's pretty killer. Yeah, obtalk.com is, is where you can learn more about it. They're dirt cheap. Um, and... You know, I read reviews that say they were, said it was really hard to set up, but I mean, if you're technical at all, it is not. It, hmm. um, I went to their website. It said, pick up your phone and dial these digits. And I did. And it said, your device is now registered. Uh, would you like to create, create an account? And I did. And I said, okay, now you're set up. Do you have a Google Voice? Well, yes, I do. Enter your username and password for that. You're set up. Done. That's it. So now if you call my, I have a now local Atlanta number because I didn't have a home phone when I, I came here. I just kept my cell phones. Now I have a local Atlanta home phone number that's actually a Google voice number that I pay nothing for and I get free inbound and outbound calls for $40 one time. Damn. That's so pretty strong. You combine that with SendHub and you have, you're just, you're golden. You have you're the perfect all, setup. Yeah, your, commu your communication lines are open ready to take some calls. So, you know, now I don't have a, an answering machine. If somebody calls me and leaves a message, it's Google Voice. It's emailed to me, and I can play it in my email. So it's, it's I don't need caller ID anymore. I can just look at Google Voice and see who called. It's And, and read a very accurate transcript of the call. Yes, uh, a hilarious transcript. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, it, uh, Mitch Mann in the chat room says, I have magic. It blows Magic Jack away. First off, because it doesn't cost anything. Magic Jack is cheap; it's twenty five bucks a year. But you don't need a computer, right? That's right. And yeah, you need it. You have to have a computer. Well, actually, I think they now they have a Magic Jack that doesn't need a computer. But this one, you don't none of that. And uh, say Google Voice starts charging, and I don't want to use it, or they dump the service. It it'll work with any SIP service. So there's SIP services out there for, for as low as eighty cents a month. And you just plug another wow. one in. Right now, Google Voice is the one I'm cho I've chosen to use, but it could be anything. So wow, that's a killer device. Obi high, check it out. I will. Okay, and if you have feedback about the Obi high or about uh, the uh, podcast in general or anything else, the place you can do that is elementob.com. Go to the forums there. Click on um, 
Art of Podcasting, and let us know what you think. And also, that's where you can contact me. Uh, Steve, where can people contact you, and what might they want to contact you about? I order all of you to go to howtopodcast.biz and uh, check out those videos. No, I'm just kidding. Um, that is my site, but uh, and I have videos up there about how to podcast. It is a comprehensive 10-hour. You'll be sweating after you watch these. You'll be exhausted, but you'll know how to podcast. So uh, how to podcast up is. And uh, James, do you have any kind of online offering that people might be interested in? I, I don't know if you've mentioned it. In fact, I do. As a matter of fact, you can find me at ProfessorMesser.com where I have IT-based training videos. If you need to learn how to use a computer, all about networking, all about security, and our brand new Linux training, you can find it at ProfessorMesser.com. Awesome. And you can find us here next week. If you want to be live uh, and listen to the show and, and watch our uh, faces as you do it, that happens at uh, 9 p.m. now, Eastern Time. Uh, every Sunday evening. So uh, go over to elementopi.com slash live and check that out. Or if you follow any one of the three of us on Twitter or Facebook, we usually do a pretty good job of of letting that be known, but I don't think any of us actually did tonight. Um, but you can uh, find us there, and we encourage you to do that. Uh, we like having people in the chat room, and we like uh, having the um, uh, feedback and the interaction. So please do that. Listen live, watch live, uh, but more than that, subscribe and, and listen every week and tell 1,000 of your closest friends to do the same. <laughs> nice. And so on that note, it's always good to go out on a laugh. So I'm going to say that ends this episode of The Art of Life.